have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. If you want to do the best possible job, go in and either caulk or use an expandable or low expansion foam around all of those cracks and then come back and put the bat insulation over that. The bat's going to fill the big cavity, but it's not going to seal it extremely tight. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Thanks for making us part of your weekend plans. We're here weekends at this time, taking your questions and calls about your home inside and out. Along with Ken the Contractor, I'm Jim Britt. You can always be part of the program by emailing us questions to our website, KenTheContractor.com. You can give us a call anytime at 800-614-2975. Don't forget to friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor, and also follow us on Twitter at KenAnswers. Well, we keep flipping the calendar, and that's a good thing, but we're getting closer and closer to the holiday season this year, and that's when many of us start thinking about all those last little items we just didn't get accomplished during the summer that we'd like to have done before all of our family's over, before we start entertaining, and we get in holiday festivities and party mode. Unfortunately, if we all wait until the last minute, it isn't going to happen, folks, because there are only so many people out there that are able to provide the services that we need or the products that we may want to have in our home. So we're going to take a little time and remind you of some of the things that you may want to be considering or thinking about so that you have enough time to get the pricing together, to get in someone's schedule and get it done. I have many people in the professional trades uh, from floor finishing to painting to carpentry, trim work, and so forth, that constantly tell me year after year after year that there is just, even in the bad economy, that there is just a crunch in terms of people calling them, and they're really compressed in time trying to get things done. And for many of you, it just doesn't happen. So if you're sitting back saying, yeah, you know, I was thinking about having the hardwood floor refinished this year before we have all of these folks over Thanksgiving and Christmas, you better get in somebody's schedule right now. Let's take, talk a little bit about some of the items that are so common this time of the year that are also good for us to be looking at. We talk about maintenance on some of these occasionally, but maybe it's time to replace some of them, or you just want to spruce the inside up a little bit. You don't want to break the bank. Take a look at some of the plumbing fixtures. After all, if you're entertaining for the fall, what do people see? They don't generally get back into the, uh, the even maybe the family rooms in some cases. It may, if you've got a formal event, they may be in living room and dining room areas. They're going to be certainly in a guest bathroom area. Take a look at those items and see if you don't need to replace the water faucet, uh, the uh, the faucets, if you will, on your lavatory. Perhaps the commode needs to be replaced, or the seat, or some of those items that are you're just saying, you know, this really looks disgusting. I hate to be entertaining this year. Maybe we should do something. But that's going to involve calling a plumber for a lot of you. Some of you are good do-it-yourselfers, and you can handle that all by yourself. But if not, you better be in a plumber's schedule. Also, if you're looking for specialty items in the way of plumbing. Many of these are not sitting on the shelves these days. Inventory has been reduced substantially with a lot of the wholesalers and suppliers because of the economy. You may see some great things available through the store or even online, but you're going to have to order them. So, again, you need to be prepared and think a little bit about that if you're trying to address plumbing items in your guest bathroom areas. Also, take a look at what may need to be redone. Simple things, if you have tile with joints that have uh, the grout has come out of those. If you're going to bring a tile person in, if you're not doing it yourself, Again, you got to get in their schedules. They're going to take out the rest of it, put in new grout, restore it, have it looking good for you for the holiday seasons. Some items that are typically pretty quick to deal with, though, 
as we move forward will be items such as carpeting, sheet vinyl, or floor tiles of different types except for ceramic and quarry. So if you're thinking that you're going to be upgrading or replacing that old worn-out flooring for the holiday season, you might want to move right now to think about making the selection on the floor tile or the carpet and get in somebody's schedule to deal with that. But ceramic and quarry tile, unless you have existing floors and substructure to support that underlayment, if you will, it's going to be a bit more involved, and I don't want you to be misled by this. Or if you're converting, you're going from carpet to a quarry tile or a ceramic floor, maybe in a family room so that it's a little more resistant, if you will, to party atmosphere and some of the foods and beverages, that's going to take you longer to schedule. You're going to find it may take up to six to eight weeks to actually get the product. Even though you'll see samples sitting on the floor, many of these have to come from the manufacturer, and they are not sitting on the shelf. So I want you to be prepared for that one as well. Some other fairly simple items you can do, but could be decent lead times if you're looking to re to upgrade your kitchen a little bit. Think a little bit about just refacing those cabinets. It may involve new laminate, maybe new painting, new staining. I'm not talking about tearing them out and starting over. Maybe just changing the color or having them look a little more stylish with the finish that you have or a little more modern. Also look at replacing those countertops. But here again, you're dealing with specialty contractors and supply houses. A lot of these products are in stock, but some of the countertops that you see, especially some of the natural products, can take you a number of weeks to have not only brought into your area, but also custom cut and finished and polished so it's ready to go on your particular cabinets. Quick and easy items. So many of you do this yourself. This was the number one item in the last survey by NAHB around the nation that we tend to do ourselves, and that's painting in our home. And that's because, frankly, painting is pretty simple, and for a lot of us it's relaxing and we enjoy doing that. And you can find the paint on a regular basis at your local hardware store, big box store, really not a big deal. But the work is in the prep. So if you're doing this yourself, allocate some time well in advance of the holiday seasons to be preparing not only the walls, which are usually pretty easy, but especially the trim if you're doing complete color changes in there on your baseboard, your doors, your jams. And if you have any exterior painting, you better be doing it over the course of the next few weeks because once the temperatures start dropping and we're getting below 50 degrees in, in so many of our uh, listing areas, you're going to find it's just too cold to be applying paint on the outside of the house. So you got a limited time frame when it comes to that. And we're not talking about complete repaints. We're talking about the little spruce up that so many of us like to do before the holidays and before all the family members show up again. One last item that has to be a must and, Jim, how many times do we talk about this, both summer and winter? You're getting ready to have a big event at the home, and all of a sudden your heating or your cooling quits. It does not work. Great time right now to be thinking about servicing your heat unit, whether it's a heat pump or you're using a fireplace. You've got a natural gas boiler unit. It doesn't matter what it is. It's been turned off for a number of months now. You want to be sure that it's working for you and it's in the right condition to be entertaining this fall. Well, And I used to think uh, that, uh, you know, you couldn't too early go after some of these things, but retailers now are putting more and more of this stuff out, and in a lot of cases, it rewards you to buy some of this stuff early because they want to get some of these sales banked. Well, they want to have some of the advanced sales. That's right. They want to see some of these orders come in, but they also want to keep their service personnel busy saying, now we're backlogged. We've got four, five, six, eight weeks. We know we've got this, and as they start filling up that work schedule, There's not going to be room for a lot of us out there if we don't show up early. 
The other thing that you have to keep in mind, we've come through a very, very tough economy. For most of us, it's been the most difficult we have ever encountered. And manufacturers, not just the retailers, but manufacturers have drastically reduced inventory. They are making products as the orders come through. So, again, tiled products and other specialty items, countertops and so forth, you may see it on display at your retail outlet, but it's not necessarily in stock. And you have to allow time for these things to be manufactured if you're going to meet your schedule. And that's really what we want you to be cognizant of is make that decision in a timely fashion. Don't assume you can buy it today and have it installed next week. Coming up this hour on Ken the Contractor, uh, we've got our universal living segment at the bottom of the hour. Going to talk about the basics of universal design and living. And also, coming up in about a half hour on our app of the week, we got a whole bunch of construction terms for you. Got an app of the week that will help sort those out for you. That's all coming up this hour on Ken the Contractor. Next, Ken will be answering your calls and questions. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time to help you deal with issues that are important to today's homeowner. You can be part of the show by calling us anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email us questions to the website, KenTheContractor.com. This one comes to us from Samuel out of Asheville, North Carolina. I live in a 43-year-old house. About 21 years ago, I poured the basement slab and used it as a workshop. I want to convert to a game room and brighten the floor and cover the old stains in the floor now. I do not want to install flooring. Can I just paint over the old stained floor, or will a stain work? And I assume by that he means can I use paint or a concrete stain? Well, Samuel, on occasion we get these type of questions, people that may want to take and uh, retrofit a garage as well as a basement area. They're dealing with soiled, if you will, oil-stained concrete, or maybe there have been other products that have been dripped down onto that in these areas, maybe old paint, if you will, if it happens to be a shop or stained from staining woodwork. At any rate, we know that as concrete ages in these areas that it continues to collect a lot of dirt, trash, and debris and so forth. So to answer your question, you can do both, but the key will be in the preparation. You could either stain that floor or you can apply a paint to the floor. But if you do not go in and clean all of the old trash and debris and the oil residue that may have collected over the years, old stain and paint that's on the surface or embedded in the in the pores or the fines of that concrete surface, then you're going to find it will not bond. It's going to peel right back up, not going to look good. You're going to be really unhappy. The other thing I have to advise you of, if for some reason you have sealed that floor when it was originally poured 21 years ago or even sometime after that, you're going to have to strip and remove that sealer because it acts like a wax coating, and there's no way that a paint or a stain is going to properly bond or be able to penetrate and get into the concrete. Prep is where all the work is. Just like I tell everybody in, com- in terms of painting, Their trim, their drywall, their plaster, the work is in the prep, inside and out. So as long as you're willing to do that and prep it properly, then you should have no issue applying that. Now, you have multiple multiple options when it comes to the, the type of product that you use. You've got solid paint. You have acid staining. You've got epoxy stain. There's silicone acrylic that's available out there, and there's pigmented sealer. 
as well that can be used. Now, these are some things that are common to an awful lot of you, maybe not to everybody, but they're available in most of your paint supply stores, a lot of the big box stores, especially when you're looking in your your uh, your painting and staining departments of those big box stores. Go in and talk to the folks. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them what you're looking for so they can point you in the right direction because it can be rather confusing to most of us when it comes time to be reading all those cans saying, I can't really figure out the difference here, one from the other. What should I be doing? But they're all available to you, and in your case, if you do the prep, all of them will work fine for you. But that's the hard part. That is the hard part. That's we all we hate to we do it. We don't want to do the hard part. We want to do the painting. That's the fun part. That's the fun part, and that's what shows. You know, That's what really looks nice, and you say, I've accomplished something. You don't right. see any accomplishment no. when you spend three days prepping a slab to get no. ready to stain or paint the thing. No, that's no fun. But you have to do it, or I, you hire somebody. I like that. A one eight hundred six one four two nine seven five is our number. We've got another email here, and this deals with filling cracks in a concrete, not an asphalt driveway, but a concrete driveway. It comes to us from Kent out of Virginia. Yeah, and Kent's been very specific about that, and we talk about both of these occasionally. He said, but I want to fill the cracks in my concrete drive before winter, and I'm glad you paid attention to this, Kent. Because I remind you and others over and over again, save yourself some money and protect what you have by doing a little bit of maintenance. So do I patch it with standard mortar mix? I know I need to do something to prevent water from freezing in the cracks and making them larger this winter. Well, mortar mix will give you a cosmetic fix, but mortar mix tends to shrink when it cures. Yes, I did say it shrink when it shrinks a little bit when it cures. It will still leave hairline cracks around that, and you're still going to have water that penetrates those joints and gets in underneath your slab, and you're going to have winter problems, which is what you don't want to have, Kent. So I want you to think about some of the products that are manufactured by companies like QuickCrete, DAP, that's DAP, SACCrete, and others in the marketplace that are designed especially for sealing these cracks in your driveway, in your patio, in your sidewalk. And you may only have them in your drive. The rest of you that are listening saying, you know, I've got these tremendous cracks in my patio and I need to do something with it, these same products will work for you as well. In every case, you have to clean the residue out of the crack, whether it's dirt, sand, grass, you got weeds coming up out of them. It may be spalding concrete around the edges, but it all has to be cleaned and removed. You want to take a shop vac and go out and clean it quite well. Then it needs to be dry. And you want to purchase products that typically are a self-leveling product. And again, I've named three manufacturers. QuickCrete and DAP are, are well known for those. They're self-leveling. They'll come in caulking tubes generally. And you can apply them if these are smaller cracks. They will seek their own level. They'll fill from the bottom up. And then they will level across the top. If they exceed the surface of your concrete, let it cure. Then come back with a razor knife, just like you'd scrape and clean glass with, and scrape the residue off the surface, and it'll be flush. Now, the advantage of these is that they bond to the concrete on either side. That concrete is going to expand and contract during the course of the year, and that's where other problems with other products are created. You want something with flexibility. So it grabs hold of the concrete when it cures, sets up like rubber, if you will, and it'll shrink and expand from hot to cold, and it'll do a great job for you. So, Kent, take that to heart. Do a little bit of maintenance, and your concrete will last for many more years. You know, we're also getting into the season, and I I didn't pay too much attention to this, and, and I know we haven't for years, but that's the types of materials that we use for dealing with ice and snow in the upcoming winter season. And if it's one thing we've seen, I didn't believe the amount of damage that can be done by simply these things being exposed to concrete 
repeatedly over the course of the winter season, but we see it every year when you travel on a highway. I mean, a lot of the damage that's done is done because of those materials and chemicals that they put down to make it safer for all of us to drive on. Well, it's the road chemicals, and we use them around our house. And one of the worst things we can use for snow and ice is salt. Salt and concrete do not mix, folks. The surface is just, it will become pitted. It just eats it all to pieces. The surface spalls as a result of that. So I would stay away from salt and look at some of the user-friendly products that are out there. In fact, I personally do not use salt, my office building or my own home for that reason. There are other products that are on the market, many different brands. They will cost you more money, but it will preserve that concrete. And you see the results in your shopping center parking lots, entrance to many of the malls and department stores, sidewalks that are out around our schools. That's because it's inexpensive. It's very common. It's very effective. But there are products that will do the same thing. Cost you a little more, but will preserve and protect that concrete surface for many years. And and you can find them. You don't have to hunt real hard because it's like one of the issues that we've talked about over and over again on this program. And that is the consumers have demanded some of these products that are both effective but also a lot safer to deal with. And you're seeing more and more of these available now in a lot of your basic type retail establishments. You really sometimes don't have to hunt all that hard to find them. And that's because, as you say, we have asked for them over the years. We talk about it on this show. Other people do. They write about it as well. So when you go into your hardware or your big box store, Seek out those products that are concrete safe. That also means typically they're much safer for your plants because, remember, what you put on that concrete ends up in your planter areas, your grass, when it comes springtime. Yeah. What happens when you take all that snow and toss it into the flower bed? It gets exposure in there. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can follow uh, Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and also follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Have a question about your home inside or out? You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Got a driveway question right now, and it is Mike who joins us. Mike, you're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Yes, I have a driveway, and I don't know if it's called composite or or what it is, but it's basically when they put it down, they uh, rinse the surface, and there's uh, sort of a... uh, stone that appears, is that called aggregate? Yeah, what you have is an exposed aggregate drive then. Okay, what I have is oil on that, and I'm wondering the best way to clean that. It's okay. oil from an automobile. Okay, a decreasing agent will clean that, and if a residential, I'll say what you buy at the grocery store, big box store doesn't do it, then you want to go to a wholesale location that sells a commercial degreasing agent. You can go to my website. There are several different brands. I've, I've talked about this in the past that I've identified. But the bottom line is a degreasing agent should do a pretty good job. If the exposed aggregate drive was finished when it was put down like most, it was sealed. Okay, and this one wasn't. It was never sealed. Okay. So that means you got a fairly dull look to the stone, to the aggregate? Yes. Okay. That's going to make it a little more difficult for you. Then you clearly are going to need, especially if this is a fair amount of oil, you need to have use a commercial product that is a commercial degreaser because these products will not only clean what's on the surface, but they get down into the concrete and they lift, if you will, the oil that's in there to some extent, and they're going to raise that to the surface so you can clean it off. What you have to be careful with with exposed aggregate, though, is how the, the kind of water pressure you apply to the surface and how you treat it, or you'll end up knocking all that aggregate loose from the surface. Uh. 
The, okay. the other issue that any of us have with unsealed concrete and substantial oil stains is that even when you clean it, so all of a sudden it's brighter again, it, it looks a little newer, you typically see sort of an outline or some just faint residue in that concrete. I have never found a product that will bring this back looking completely new again, even the, the commercial and industrial products that, that I use at, at my level as a builder. But you won't find those normally at the big box or hardware stores. You're going to have to go to a wholesale supplier that, that sells concrete products, sealers, and so forth. Uh, and there are several uh, in, in most every listing area, if you live in a town of any size, that will have those for you. So go in to that location, tell them exactly what you have, and you're looking for a commercial degreaser, something you can apply that's going to be concrete safe, and that's going to sit there and penetrate and lift this oil out. And they'll have they'll give you different name brands. But be careful if you're using a pressure washer when it comes time to remove that. I don't think in most cases you need to. I'm going to recommend that you follow the instructions clearly. It's going to involve probably some brushing when it's all said and done, and then just a water hose to remove that residue. Okay. Should I seal it after I clean it? Absolutely. I would. I mean, and if you have one big spot, chances are you've got some smaller spots. You want to spot clean the whole thing. Then I would go through and surface clean the entire drive. Because you're going to be removing then just some of the air, the pollutants that fall out of the sky, the sand and dirt and so forth that blows in from cutting the grass and what have you. Clean it completely, let it dry, and then apply a sealer to the top of it. You'll do two things. One, it's going to look shiny. You'll have a new look to it for the most part, but you're going to prevent this problem from developing at this level again. Now, that doesn't mean that you may not have oil dripping down, but it should be much easier for you to clean. And if you clean it as you see it, it's not going to create this big maintenance issue for you. Okay, is there a seal that is not so slippery when wet? Uh, most of them are, even if they're acrylic, they're going to leave you with a, a sheen. And the fact that you have a sheen, it's like waxing the floor. It's going to be slippery to some degree. Now, if you're using an epoxy coating on it, it's going to be extremely slippery. If you're using a water base, it will have a tendency to be a little less slippery. You're still going to see a sheen. It will not last as long, meaning you may need to do this every year or so. The other thing this does is it prevents, and you've probably seen this with your drive in the wintertime, where you see some of the aggregate pop loose, and you'll have loose aggregate more in the spring than you do during the summer months. Right. That's because water gets under the aggregate between the cement that's holding it and that aggregate itself, and it freezes and it pops it loose in the wintertime. So a sealer will prevent the deterioration because over time, without it being sealed, you'll actually end up with what I'll call bald spots in your concrete. If you've got areas where the tires are constantly cut, you're turning it off the roadway, it's going to wear more there and you've got more pressure, and it'll have a greater tendency to pop that aggregate loose. Exposed aggregate drives and patios and sidewalks are very beautiful. They've got different colors of aggregate and patterns that are available. But there is just a little more maintenance with those than a standard steel trial finish or broom finish concrete slab. Right. And you mentioned acrylic and what was the other type? An epoxy base. Epoxy Mm -hmm. base. Acrylic would be the least slippery. It's going to be the least slippery in my experience. It's also going to be the least costly. Won't last quite as long. Won't give you quite the sheen. Most of those you can put down with a garden sprayer. They're a water-based product. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Ken. We appreciate your call. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'll tell you, some of the best money spent, I continue to maintain this, is getting your driveway uh, either asphalt, concrete, whatever, and then taking care of it after you do that. I was, you know, hedging a little, and uh, the guy says, well, it be a pretty good time for us to go ahead and seal this for the first time, because I'd always been taught once you seal it the first time, 
then you've got to continually do it again and again and again. And uh, got it sealed, and it just it does. It has a, a different look to it. And, and also, as you mentioned, it is a lot easier to keep clean. Well, it's not only easier to keep clean, but you're preserving the integrity, if you will, of the asphalt itself. You're, you're preventing it from becoming so brittle that now it takes on the characteristics of concrete, but yet it's not as thick as concrete, and so it falls apart much faster. By keeping asphalt sealed from time to time with a good sealer, you fill up those pores, those loose areas, you keep water from penetrating that, and asphalt has aggregate in it, just like concrete does. So you're helping to preserve those fines and bind all that together, and you have a good look in the meantime. Yeah. It just, I, I really think it's, it's among the, the best money you can spend in and around your house, particularly if you've had a, in the past, if you haven't had a paved driveway, if you've dealt with rocks and then of course mud and stone and other stuff, which is fine for certain areas. But there are just other areas, and and the winter season that's upcoming, it's where I notice the the huge difference. Find it a little easier if you're in snow country to be moving snow, but and if you're not, if you're in the deep south and you de- deal with heavy summer rains, for mm-hmm. example, you're at least out of the mud and so forth. So they can be great. They're not for everybody, but especially around the house, I think if you maintain them, you'll get your money's worth out of it. It's going to be a good investment. At some point, we all sell our homes, and you'll find that that's one of the items that you'll get some payback on when it comes time to market that house. And one other thing uh, that we continue to stress on this program, remember, when it's time to buy products, look for that Made in America label. Your dollars will go a long way. Not only do they go a long way in terms of helping your community, but they also keep the dollar in the USA if you're buying American-made products. So they may go across the country. You may be keeping somebody on the West Coast or the Deep South employed, but folks, we're doing our best as builders and developers out there, so many of us involved with NAHB, to keep the money in the U.S. and buy American-made products. We have high-quality, competitive prices, and that's what we're looking for as consumers and as builders today. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. Don't forget, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can email your questions to Ken at our website, KenTheContractor.com. And also, if you haven't been to our website in a while, we'd encourage you to do that. Not only can you keep up to date with some of the many things that we talk about on this program, the app of the week, there are also podcasts of recent programs available online and a lot of information about some of the many things that we tend to talk about week after week on this program, uh, whether it's issues relating to roofs, basements, windows, plumbing, siding, accessible or universal living, energy efficiency, heating, leaks, ventilation, flooring. You'll find it all at our website, and that's KenTheContractor.com. Again, our contact number is 800-614-2975, 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. We go back to the phones, and it's Willie who joins us right now. He's got some issues with a driveway that he wants to talk about with Ken. Willie, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hey, well, hello, I boy. do have a question for you. You were just talking about driveways, okay. and uh, as somebody who's contemplating doing that in the near future, I was wondering, I've been hearing a lot about permeable concrete. Would that be a, a smart move instead of uh, a regular black type driveway, or would concrete itself be better then? Well, give me some advice. What I'm going to do is to give you a personal preference. The, the And I've installed a fair amount of, of permeable concrete, and for those that don't know, this is concrete. That, what you're talking about is that water flows through. Right. And it is very coarse. When it's laid, first you're going to pay a pretty good premium because there aren't too many 
companies that actually batch that product, it's rather unique in the characteristics. They've removed most of the fines from it. So when it's batched, it comes out very stiff from the truck. It's got to be laid and then almost rolled once it's put down because it just does not flow like ordinary concrete does. does a very good job of allowing the water to simply work right through that. You still need control joints. You need expansion joints in it. It has to be treated much like standard concrete. But I'm not one that would be in big support of that for residential purposes because it is very coarse. And typically we've got kids and pets and, you know, but people running around on bikes and barefooted and it's, it's not necessarily a comfortable concrete. Works great in the commercial world where we're dealing with big storm drainage issues and then typically it's tied back to underground storm drainage to prevent runoff. And that was the intent of not only, uh, the, the permeable, the asphalt, I mean the concrete, but also there's asphalt that does the same thing out there. So, again, that's a personal preference. Wouldn't strongly recommend it. My tendency would be to tell you to stay with standard concrete for residential uses. Okay. All right. Now, concrete versus asphalt. I like the the concrete, but in many applications, asphalt would be more useful, especially if you live in an area. Some of our listeners have a great deal of snow. Snow is almost self-removing if, if the sunlight hits asphalt much quicker than concrete because it tends to heat up quicker and it will dissipate at a much more rapid pace. Concrete will stay colder. So if you live in a snow environment, uh, that might be something for you to consider. Both have a degree of maintenance to them. Jim and I were talking on another segment about having to seal the asphalt on occasion. This holds true, as we've also talked about, if you've got exposed aggregate or even standard concrete. You say, why do you want to seal it? Because of the road chemicals that we talk about. If you live in an environment where you've got salt and other road chemicals in the winter, if you keep it sealed, it's going to protect the surface of it. So I think that's more of a personal choice. Asphalt and the base related to that tends to be a little bit cheaper in most locations than a concrete drive. Roy, thank you. We appreciate your call. Uh, let's get to our app of the week. we got a bunch of construction terms uh, that we're dealing with, and this kind of helps explain them for folks. Well, what I want to tell you is when you're looking at proposals from subcontractors and suppliers, for most of you know people that aren't familiar with doing this every day, you're going to find words and you're saying, what does that mean? What, what is a vent stack? What is R value? What do they mean by curing or GFI? There's an app that costs you all of 99 cents if you're really looking to undergo a home renovation or, or buy something new or you're dealing with people in my industry in the near future. It's simply called Construction Glossary. Construction Glossary, 99 cents for Android phones. Similar apps are available also for other phone systems out in the market. But if you're looking to do this, understand what your subcontractor, your supplier, and your builder is talking about. Don't just smile and pretend you know. Be sure you know because it can make a huge difference to you in dollars. So this is my app of the week, Construction Glossary, 99 cents. So I just won't have to nod anymore when they go like uh, footer and GFI and go, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, You'll know what it is, and you'll be able, if you read those, you'll be able to come back to them and ask much more intelligent questions. They'll say, hey, these people know what they're talking about. 800-614-2975 is our contact number. It's where we find Raymond right now. Raymond, go ahead with your question for Ken the Contractor. Hi, Raymond. I can. I, I move. I live in a, a rancher that was built in 1985. Okay. And by the time I bought it, which was about uh, 94, late 94, they they uh, blown in insulation in a in a two by four trust roof had been riddled by mice and and possibly a rat. Uh, <clears throat> and I have I have delayed doing anything with it to my regret. But what what do I do? Do I do I have 
blown in insulation put over top of this tunneled insulation or does this tunneled product have to be removed? Well, you know, you, you go back so many years from what you're telling me, this has been existing now for 10 years or longer. And obviously you've had no residual effect in terms of odor or other things from, uh, mice or a rat occasionally running through there. That would always be my first concern for any place that's been infestated, infestated with, with, uh, uh, any types of rodents is that we make sure that, uh, you know, fecal matter, all kinds of other things they tend to leave behind in, in homes and especially when they're under construction, that that has been properly cleaned out. If that is a non-issue to you, I would certainly recommend that you end up installing additional blown-in insulation. Uh, you probably have no more than maybe 10 to 12 inches, the way you're describing this, of insulation. And by installing that, you're going to notice an immediate payback, especially as you move into the heating season. You'll notice a payback during the wintertime in the sense that your energy cost, whether it's oil heat or whether it's just straight air conditioning, is going to be less. Your power bill will be less. But you may want to be sure that you mention this if you're hiring an insulation company to do it and ask them to perform an inspection and see if there's either any additional damage or if there happens to be anything that should be removed, including maybe some old carcasses of rodents that are up there, so they're not covering that up. That's going to cost you a little more money or a little time on your part if you're capable of doing it, but that would be the approach that I would take. Okay, I I do thank you. I I guess my my concern um, was not... Uh, the rodents, of course, that's not a problem anymore. But uh, with this tunneled insulation, how much it, it probably is is next to nothing. Well, but you you say you've got a blown-in insulation, and when they apply more insulation, one, they'll be walking around in the truss areas, but also they're going to blow in insulation that adds weight to that. Okay. If they need to go up, that's why I said have them do an inspection. If they need to do nothing more than take a rake and rake it around to be sure there are no tunnels in those areas, then it'll be fine. You don't want it compacted. You want to have loose fibers. That's where the insulation value comes from. Okay. I do. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call. Thank you, Raymond. We do appreciate your call. And we've got time for our universal living segment right now. You know, this one's real simple this week. Several of you have contacted me and said, what is universal living? And so it's time for me to go back to basics and for me and for the rest of you to say, this is really what we're talking about as I hit on these individual components. Universal design or universal living are phrases that have come into the industry probably in the last five to ten years. Prior to that, we would talk about it in the sense of ADA, Americans with Disability Act, that was passed back in the 70s and 80s by the federal government for the commercial world. But what we've recognized is that, folks, all of us, regardless of age or physical condition, our health or whatever, want to be to live conveniently in our home. We don't want to have to work at things so much. We want, whether our arms are full or we're trying to load products in or out, we just want it to be simple. Hence the term universal design. Now, that clearly means that these are the installation of products, the development of products that go in our homes that will work for everybody, again, regardless of age or disability. We're looking at things that may include no-entry steps, one-story living. It doesn't mean you can't have a two-story house, but it means that you at least have one-story living with maybe a master suite on the first floor, a bathroom that's accessible, those type things, wide doorways, wider hallways, some extra floor space and bathrooms. Very simple, and it works for everybody throughout the country. That'll do it, and that'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor.
You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.